Clay, have you ever seen the movie Stigmata? Uh, not for a very. I think I saw it in the theater when it came out. I may have actually snuck into it. Uh, I get the. I understand the general gist of it, though. I think sounds about right. No, go on. So it sounds about right. You'd have to sneak into it. Um, it was probably probably a very controversial movie at the time it came out. I, feel, I would guess it came out in like 1994, probably maybe later, maybe 1998. I think it's closer to the end of the century. Yeah, because okay, yeah. you had like I think it was around the time you were getting. I think Stigmata, Stir of Echoes, and uh, End of Days were all like were more or less in the same ballpark. I think. Wow, is Stir of Echoes the clear winner of that group? I I've never seen it. Actually. Oh, you've never seen Stir of Echoes? Interesting. No, that's one for. Uh, it's a. Uh, is that a horror movie? It'd be one for here it's, for Ron yeah. Ryan. It's uh, it's Kevin Bacon and he's, he's got a ghost in it though, right? I think there's ghosts in it. Yeah, some sort of there's some sort of seance or or something happens. I, I don't he he, exactly. he gets like a very Edgar Allan Poe thing where he's he's like he must dig in the basement and so he's digging constantly in the basement because he keeps hearing voices or something. I remember Stir of Echoes being really good, but I guess maybe it's not a horror movie. Maybe it's just a a thriller. I think it of. is. I think it's more of a horror movie. Okay. I bring up Stigmata just because <laughs> it's a movie that stuck with me, even though I probably am in the same boat and I saw it 20 years ago and I don't really remember anything about it whatsoever. Mm. I remember not being impressed by it, but I don't really remember why that is or who's in it or what goes on besides the fact that there's bleeding nail uh, prints in your hands and things like that. Sure, sure. But Stigma sounds very like Stigmata. I assume it's the same Latin verb or Latin origin word. And we'll get to uh, discussing it, I guess, as we break down stigma here, the next Star Trek Enterprise episode. You know, <laughs> it's funny because when you uh, when you brought up stigmata, I was I had no idea where you're going with that, and I realized now because I did not actually realize the name of this episode was stigma. Oh, because I didn't write it down, so it makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I did just look it up. Stir of Echo, Stigmata, End of Days all came out in 1999. 99. Okay. Mm-hmm. What a year. Great music. Big, great movies. Big year for, uh, um, what is it? Uh, religious, religious-based religious horror films yeah. in the end of the world. <laughs> Things like that come, come around every once in a while. Um, we're going to break down Stigma. We'll take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and break it down. Your neurolytic enzymes are considerably higher than last month. The treatment's no longer effective. I told you it was just a matter of time before we'd need supplemental medications. This conference is a perfect opportunity. Some of your finest physicians will be there. It's essential that I speak with them. It's too great a risk. I'd be taken off Enterprise. I think I can question them without revealing that you're infected. It's too great a risk. I'm afraid we have no choice. Without further treatment, you could very possibly die. All right, so Stigma is the 14th episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on February 5th, 2003. Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, the classic duo. Directed by David Livingston. In Universe State is Unknown, 2152. In this episode... To Paul's position on Enterprise is jeopardized when the Vulcans discover that she has contracted a mind-affecting disease. Meanwhile, one of Phlox's wives comes aboard and expresses a romantic interest in Tucker, much to his discomfort. Brandon, Brandon, what if Phlox's wife shows up? And she's just, oh my God, look, you, you wouldn't believe what she looks like. And she just, her hands are 
all over Trip, and he's loving it. And he just, you know, you can't get enough of it. Okay, go write the script. Flux. And maybe Flux some, maybe is, some other totally story cool. about AIDS or something. I don't know. But let's focus focus on the wife. Yeah, it's um, you know, it, it it's tough coming back to. It, it feels like our enterprise pace is slowed to a crawl for whatever reason. Like I, um. We just do them once a week now because of Discovery and Lower Deck. Mm. So it's been a while since. He, and I do feel you get a different sense of these things when you even slowing it down to us for half a pace where it's only one episode a week. I really feel like um, I feel like, A, I'm both losing touch with Enterprise and I'm newly appreciative of Enterprise in some ways, mm-hmm. too. Like it's this weird combination of stuff. But uh, I like Stigma. I think it's a pretty good Enterprise episode. Um, we'll get to our ratings when we get to it, but I, uh, I feel enterprise is maybe, and this is, I bring up the thing about losing touch with enterprise, maybe because I'm sort of misremembering this, but I feel like enterprise is slowly collecting itself recently over Mm. the past couple episodes. This one, um, I would arguably say is maybe the most cohesive enterprise episode we've seen in a long time where it makes sense to me, everything that happens in it and, Largely everything that happens in it and the plots being paired together makes sense to me. And I I just feel that it worked in a way that I have not felt about an Enterprise episode in quite a while. Yeah, I uh I it's the second one in a row that had a um, a very good cold open that actually got me kind of interested as to what was going on, which is very rare in the show. And uh overall, yeah, I agree. I thought this one was for for one that was one of the more um laid back low stakes stories they've done in a while i thought it was very effective and i thought it was pretty well done i think the uh the metaphor they're going for with this you know mind std might be get a little jumbled in there a little bit but uh i i thought overall yeah i thought the hey you you didn't have gay sex you got raped right you didn't have gay sex you got you got got raped yeah yeah yeah. you know we don't we don't want to throw everybody out here but let's just make it clear that she uh you know it's from it's from a bad thing it's not (laughs) all right okay oh boy that's the (sighs) that's the clumsiness of it yeah at the same time i um i think i'm just gonna say it very much feels like a bunch of people who i assume are the writers of the show trying to do an episode where they're trying to make this metaphor work and they just don't really have all the tools needed to do it right. But right. I applaud I applaud the effort. It's a uh it's a weird timing thing because I have no idea how people were feeling about AIDS in two thousand and three. You know? Mm. Like I if mm-hmm. if this came out in nineteen eighty four, I'd be like, wow, what a progressive thing this sure. is. But this yeah. is two thousand three. It um I don't want to say AIDS was done with at that point, but I don't rem- I don't have a memory of what the cultural standing of the disease was at that point. You know, it's it's a, so it's yeah. kind of a weird timing to appreciate what this episode is saying and whether or not this is actually even brave in the first place. Yeah, my memory of it is that by 2003 it was we kind of had a handle on it as a society more or less. Because um, the, the the gay marriage debate was raging at this time, but I don't remember sure, AIDS sure. being a big part of that conversation, yeah. really. So. And when I say had a handle on it, I mean like medications as as it, and yeah. 
Well, I don't even mean like treating it. I just oh, mean just like the, the understanding of it yeah. and how it works and what it means. And it's not like a this crimson letter that or it doesn't imply X or Y. And it's not it, it, it definitely it definitely is not something that is exclusively set to one group of people that gets passed to good people when they get raped and mm-hmm. stuff. It's, you know, so uh, this might be this might be a little bit behind the times as far as that stuff goes. If you want to call it a direct AIDS um, analogy, and it's kind of difficult to see it as anything else. Hard really, to see but. it be any other disease really than that. Uh, pass through an intimate act. So it's, you know, it's basically sexual. It has to be, it has to be, mm. You know, it's either chlamydia or AIDS or something like that. And right. it seems like they were going a little bit more dramatic with it here. Yeah, the um, I think the clumsiness of the having to uh, not portray to Paul in this story as a member of this minority. And so she is having to protect the minority, she thinks, because she is just honorable enough where she doesn't want to railroad them or throw them under the bus by saying, this is not my fault. But at the same time, mm-hmm. Archer and everyone's saying, it's not your fault this happened to you because you were assaulted, is it's a very, that's a, that's a tough tightrope to walk. And it, it's, yes. I understand why they had to do yeah. it, sort of, in, in, to get, because T'Pol can't, T'Pol needs a reason to not just say, this is what happened to me and you can't feel bad. So they have to throw this, like I'm defending this minority group in there. Um, Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I thought it was a pretty good story. The only other issue I really have with it is that, and you might disagree with this point is um, the Vulcans, the way the Vulcans are written in enterprise continues to not make a tremendous amount of sense to me. And so Mm -hmm. when they throw them into a story like this, where they haven't fleshed out, where the Vulcan's logic culture is starting. And it seems like they're fully engrossed in logic culture in in an episode like this. It just seems that they have this weird hatred or stigma towards this disease, which doesn't really feel very Vulcan-y to me. And so when Archer's like, we humans have overcome this, you rotten Vulcan assholes haven't overcome it, it feels like a little bit of a flip-flop that they haven't really deserved. Yeah, it feels sometimes like in this show, Vulcan ends up being a uh a synonym for conservative or like puritan where they are because of the way they act because of the way they are traditionally kind of uptight rigid yeah they're a rigid rigid, culture yeah that kind of has gone through a bit of a telephone game down the years to mean that all vulcans are like prudes or something or or just you know very puritanical in their belief systems and whatnot um <clears throat> when i mean in the in the original show they don't really ever get into that stuff i mean they do have what is it pond far where they get super hot and horny for like eight days or whatever but, oh yeah which you know so clearly brandon. They some <laughs> brandon. have you seen this pond far episode brandon brandon has to paul gone through pond far yet <laughs> is there a way we can work that into the show <laughs> flox's wife shows up and she, oh my god the pond far is just everywhere and her name can we call her milf is it <laughs> Is it inappropriate if we just call her her alien name? It's just MILF, and we'll just spell it differently. <laughs> we'll put, um, put umlauts on there. <laughs> use a Y. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it seems like they're kind of doing that a little bit, where the Vulcans are kind of being turned into this more puritanical conservative group, uh, when that's not necessarily the way that they're meant to be portrayed. The um, 
because yeah, the, the whole thing. I'm I completely forgot about the only some people some Vulcans know how to mind meld, and it's like not something that's yeah widely. Uh, Do you remember the episode it's, it's where the upon, assault happened at all? I only remembered it after they started talking about okay. it. I completely yeah. forgot about it until they brought up like even even when she said the thing about you know they started talking about the mind meld being kind of outlawed or whatever i was like oh that's an interesting wrinkle for the vulcans and then they as though i had never come across right. it before <laughs> and then once they started talking in the assault and i was like oh that's right because yeah. archer's literally like turns to me in camera and is like clay remember when she got assaulted by those guys on the ship and i was like thank you thank you jonathan i do yeah yeah i think it was called fusion is the name of that episode where she <clears> met <throat> that that feisty vulcan who mind melded with her against her her will yeah it, does this this episode i mean that episode really uh throws spock into a pretty bad light in uh, star trek six huh i'm sure we talked about that at the time i don't remember oh well, yeah but, when uh, he forces himself on uh to tim cattrall Yes, whose name I can't remember, yeah. Valeris or something. Is that? No, I can't remember. Anyway, um, sure. Yeah, I they, I I think that they come around to acknowledging this and they fix they retcon how this is supposed to work. I think I think they're going to reconcile all of this stuff, um, enterprises. Mm. But before we get to that point, I just my my point about the Vulcans is that they haven't done a very good job of setting up why they're different in this show and the show thinks that they're different or it seems to think that they're different and everyone will give us the comments about like just wait until season four when they explain why they've been different for the past four years (laughs) but it doesn't really fix the issue that they haven't done a good job of explaining why they're different now so when you when you come into an episode like this where they are acting completely irrational but they still have their emotionless culture where they just treat everything logically it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. And I think your point about them just being conservatively rigid and the the dads of space who are not letting mm. the kids out to have any fun is um, it's weird because I can kind of see why the Vulcans would be that way. I just don't think that the show has explained how they're different from the Vulcans that you know at this point or where the divide is coming from that makes them act in ways that are not fitting with what you know of Spock and stuff like that later on. Yeah, I... <clears throat> I uh, I know that they do try to explain stuff later, but I, I I would be shocked if the explanation was there from the get go. Like it it's I don't know if it's a I don't know if they talk about this in the, in that book at all or either one of those books. But do you know was there a conscious decision to write the Vulcans in a different way, or is it just like a game of telephone where no. what the Vulcans are ended up becoming something different? or the understanding of them ended up writer to writer to writer to series to series to series ended up just morphing. No, I think there was, there was intent to treat them differently to have them be, oh, there was. Okay. to have them be um, prototypical Vulcans. I, I think it's kind of a flawed idea because it's only a hundred years until the Kirk Vulcans come along. Mm. So it's not really a very long time where they can change. I understand trying they, to treat them differently, but they're just not different in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, also, Vulcans live for like 300 right. years. So it'd so. be it would be the same guys you'd be seeing in the later episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, good on them to be able to make such a drastic change <laughs> in their outlook in the later years of their life. That doesn't happen very often. It's, and it seems like the Vulcans would be the species that are able to do that, to turn around and be like, sure. everyone, stop acting this way. We're just going to act in a different way and, and go forward with it. But yeah. I would have appreciated Mind a little bit of difference. For everyone. <laughs> Did you... um? 
Did you think that the Vulcan STD makes sense in and of itself? Think it's um, a decent idea for them, or do you think that it's just kind of a strange? I thought it was fine. I I I, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what to make of it outside of this story because I'm assuming it never comes up again. No, I don't. I don't think so. I can't be. Yeah. I can't be positive, but it's not a major threat or anything. Yeah, I don't, I'm not expecting season four of Enterprise to be to Paul dealing with the latter latter symptoms of right. Yeah, mind meld disease or whatever it is, <laughs> um, Pandar syndrome or whatever it's called. I don't actually know. Yeah, I mean, for uh, for for what they were for the for what they were doing with it, I think it, I guess it worked fine. Um, it is an interesting concept that mind melding with someone can pass a like a psychic disease. Yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, they. Um, if not a disease, they imply that it just starts breaking down your brain, basically. Mm. Um, I mean, honestly, it's I, I think it's uh I like it in that it it puts some stakes onto mind melding, yeah. whereas it kind of turned into a bit of a magic trick at this point. Yes. Um, That's why they have to get rid of it, right? They have to yeah. they have to fix that. So the disease has to get cured because you can't have all the future Vulcans doing this nonstop to each other. Um, I, it, it, it's funny. Unless it turns out to be less like Vulcan AIDS and more like Vulcan HPV, where it's like, well, everybody's got it. <laughs> what's, uh, what's funny, and it's probably more applicable to the uh, Phlox's wife plot line here. Oh, oh so Brandon. Let's, let's <laughs> <Phlox's> wife. <laughs> We can get Flox and his wife and Trip's storyline out of the way here first before I go into like what I've been thinking about with this episode. Brandon, Brandon I was, I was I, the other night, I was watching my wife make out with another man. <laughs> and I just thought, how do we use this? Can we use this on the show? There's a story in here somewhere. Um, <laughs> I like the Flox storyline quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good. I think it's a... The only curious thing about it is that they they paired the AIDS plotline with the casual yes. sex plotline. Yes. <laughs> so there's a like there's a little bit of discomfort there. But mm-hmm. I, when I bring up these things, like I'm I'm almost approaching this episode as like I have to dig to find that. I don't feel it when I'm watching the episode. It's just mm. kind of like a strange thing that you think about afterwards, and it's, it's kind of a weird connection. But I like the fact that they paired a and this doesn't always work, it's kind of a light comic episode about a stigma, a societal mm-hmm. stigma that's paired to the more heavy AIDS plot line. And um, there's not a lot that goes on in the trip storyline, but I find it kind of like relaxing and charming at the same time. Yeah. It's kind of just like yeah. a light, enjoyable storyline that doesn't go anywhere, doesn't mean anything, and it still carries on the theme of cultural stigmas and like how trip has this woman falling all over herself to have sex with him and Trip is too awkward around Flocks to actually go through with the deed, even though Flocks wants him to go through with the deed and is sort of offended that he doesn't want to go through with the deed. Um, yeah. But what do you think about the storyline before we go any further? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, man, they're just, they're just throwing people at, at Trip in yeah. these last handful of episodes. He's got, a, he's been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought, I mean, as soon as she showed up, I saw it coming a mile away obviously but it was uh it was very well done and it was a lot of fun i think my favorite scene was probably the mess hall scene 
with uh, when he's eating with Hoshi. Yeah. And she sh- and the wife shows up and starts like feeling <laughs> up his leg. Yeah. And then then she's like, yes. Hoshi was just saying how sexy she thinks you are. And they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're speaking uh, Denobulan to each other. And she's just, uh, yeah, she, she, she is I was just talking about grammar. <laughs> it's a good, it's a bunch of good performances. It's a good guest actress performance too. She, um, mm. <laughs> it's just the, I've cut it out for the clip, uh, but it's the, where she's telling him how to install the, the microscope. And she's like, take the fat end and stick it in this hole. Yes. <laughs> 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 it's very it's very silly and kind of fun and it it um i even like the way that it just ends where where trip excuses himself at the very final scene and flocks and his wife just look at each other and laugh and are just like humans <laughs> mm. um the thing that it made me the thing that it made me wonder about is because we're in the middle of discovery right now um disco- like i the the kind of one of the failings of discovery there's a lot but you can listen to the discovery coverage for that is that i i felt like this episode was really crying out for a modern remake of what they've tried to do here where this episode is in a lot of ways hindered by 90s television uh capabilities mm. of what you're allowed to show so like something for this trip storyline he can't actually have sex with her right but right. the the interesting well. You think he, I mean, could he could in this? Yeah, I, it's, I don't. I'm not expecting them to show any hardcore penetration or something. No, but, but do you think they would get, <laughs> they they would get away? It. How would they explore that in terms of flood? Like, my, I guess my point would be, I feel like in Discovery, which is on a mm-hmm. paid access streaming network with constant swearing on it and stuff like that, which is not the point. But if they if they did a storyline like this, but where Trip did have sex with her. And then figures out afterwards, like he doesn't know it's Flox's wife or something, but Flox is fine sure. with it. But Trip is like guilt ridden that this has happened. There's a more adult version of the story that I think is actually kind of interesting in a Star Trek way, which is what are these two cultures? Why does he feel bad if the other culture doesn't care about what he's done? You know what I mean? And there's a there's kind of a mm. neat modern story or neat modern Star Trek tale there. I just feel that this one had to go this direction because it's limited by what you can do in ninety or early two thousands TV on cable networks. Yeah, I mean, on Discovery, we, we've already seen a a, pr- a prisoner of war get raped by a Klingon. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> I, I think they probably could do a farcical sex comedy if they wanted to. Like if Saru's wife shows up and just right. licks Stamets the side of Stamets' face or something. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. You know, honestly, I kind of like the way that they play it. I don't. I don't know if if they if it needs to, because I I think the reason it works so well for me is because is because Trip is, you know the. Uh, consummate southern gentleman yeah he's not mama mama raised him good mama raised a good boy yeah and he's not gonna uh accept any advances from from another from another man's wife he's not that kind of now now travis on the other right who's who had to get kicked in the ribs by a donkey apparently yes (laughs) so just so he can't be on the show uh travis would be all over it but um yeah I, i i like the i like the interplay where you have the semi conservative upbringing type person thrown into an episode of mtv's or hbo's real sex or whatever yeah um 
Yeah, I, I, I like that element of it. I, I don't think I need it to be that much more um, explicit or anything. I actually I actually did think about halfway through that they did sleep together because there's a certain scene where I think it's after Flux kind of gives him the okay. The next scene with the two of them, I was kind of watching them to see if the interplay was a little bit different, mm-hmm. and I thought it was a little bit different, but it 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 wasn't. It ended up kind of evening itself out. Yeah, but um, because I was thinking, oh, well, I mean, they could, it would be interest could be interesting to see what happens if he's like, hey, well, he said, all right, why not? Right. But um, yeah, I I like it the way it is. I like I like the uh the the bashful bashful polite southern boy being uh, uh Mrs. Robinson in space. Yeah. I, I think it works for Enterprise, which is the, mm. I guess that's my point. Like, I, I understand, and I think that they did a good job with that storyline here in the way that Enterprise has to play the story out. And I guess my my point is more when I see stories like this in earlier Star Trek episodes, there's a more, um, there's a more, like, quote-unquote adult version of the story that I can see sure. that, like, could yes. work in yeah. a modern Star Trek context where modern Star Trek, I think, is kind of inarguably more, quote-unquote, adult. It's, try- it's mm. trying to be more grown-up about things than maybe Enterprises with this kind of whimsical yeah. story. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the main reason why I wouldn't want them to update this, especially on Discovery, is because I think they would take it too far. I think they would swing way too far in the other direction and mm-hmm. just make it more like it more would tear explicit. the friendship apart or something. Or do you think like yeah? yeah. And I'm I, it, I the I, it would probably be more explicit. And it just I, I think it would just be too much because mm-hmm. they have a tendency to over to dial it up a little bit too much on a lot of these shows now, where it's you know oh here comes old man Clay talking about it. But uh, it, it the, when they when they try to to do this like edgy sex stuff. A lot of shows tend to just do it like it's written by a sixteen-year-old, yeah, and it's yeah. it's a little bit like oh, okay, you got we get it, we get it. You got an R rating, and it's TV, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do think this one's whimsical. I like it. it's a semi-whimsical yeah. story, and I kind of like it. And Trip's charming. I think the actress who's paired with him is great. Uh, it's just a lot of good good physical stuff. Like <laughs> her just constantly stepping in front of him to to grab things, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, she also. She does a great job of acting like Billingsley plays Flocks. She she turns her yes, perform- like she yeah. turns not it's not just Flocks acts this way, but Denobulans talk this way, and mm-hmm. they they all kind of act that way. She did a a really good job of mimicking how Flocks interacts with people. Yeah, I, I thought so too. It, it um and the makeup was a nice slight tweak for uh, a female makeup, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the performance was was really good. I thought she was really great. Um. And I also I'm really happy that they didn't cross the line into her like assaulting him. Yes, because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> to pair it with I the Paul like, storyline where it's like nothing well, went wrong. No, here. but I, I'm t- I'm talking about like like the way they've done it in the past where it's like it he's being assaulted but they're playing it for laughs. Sure, yeah, you know. So she's not like grabbing his balls or anything. Right, she doesn't or, break into his quarters while he's in his underwear and sort of chase yeah. him up against pin him up against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do any of that stuff. I'm glad. I'm glad she was as uh, played it as as close to the line as she could, but mm-hmm. didn't go over. Did, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like like I, I'm. I'm just. I'm wondering. Uh, they don't do. They don't deal with flocks a tremendous amount in it. He he he's just kind of in the background, and he gives his okay eventually. Um, mm-hmm. I. 
I don't know. I don't think there's anything really wrong with the story, but at least me wondering, you know, like you could see an, a, a storyline like this where Flox is more trying to push him. He's Flox gets more offended sure. by the fact that Trip is refusing to sleep with his wife, and that's like a, a great insult to Denobulans or something. He, he all of a sudden has grown like a really creepy mustache, and he starts wearing gold <laughs> chains, and he's like, why don't you come back to, to our room, and we can all talk about right, this right. together later. <laughs> Has Trip put his keys in a goldfish bowl on the way into sick bay and stuff like that? <laughs> Doesn't Flocks, do any only, of that. There's only one set of keys in this bowl. Yes, I know. <laughs> Doesn't but, uh, do any of that. I wondered if it needed to, kind of. I, 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 I'm only half seriously arguing this because I do like it, but I, I do feel there's a lot of ways that that storyline could have gone, and I enjoyed it enough where I potentially would have liked to have seen them go in different directions with it. Mm. Well, I was a little surprised that they didn't have any interaction with Flocks and his wife at all because they, they've set up this sort of um, sexually or, or, or relationship fluidity with the Denobulans. And they then his wife shows up and she's all ready to get hot and heavy with a new guy. But like they, they don't, which they imply then that the Denobulans are like a hypersexual yeah. people who will sleep with a, a bunch of people or whatever but take but marriage very seriously at the same time right so, yeah right but they don't like they the, the flocks and his wife never you never get the sense that they ever hooked up oh while i see yeah he, flocks even puts it off he's like we haven't seen each other for four years what's another couple of days when archer's like do you want to spend right. time with your wife he's like no i'll just yeah. go back to work <laughs> yeah it's 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 it, it almost feels like he he's like hiring trip to take care of his wife or yeah, something right. you know what i mean <laughs> <clears throat> that's why i brought him down no i um i i continue to like flocks i even like the scene in sick bay where he's he's talking to his wife and trip is there and she's telling him some story about some relative in their family, and he can't remember which wife of which guy it is. <laughs> yes, like yes. It's, it's just kind of like low-key charming stuff like that that yeah. I think Enterprise does fairly well. Yeah, I guess I was expecting like at the end, after they kind of like laugh off the humans thing, for there to be a, a beat where they're like, okay, take your shirt off. Like, <laughs> And then they finally get to, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. it's. It's they, all been a big no, tease for them. It's it's been a tease for Flocks. Yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I was surprised they didn't go that way with it. Do um, and that's all I pretty much have to say about that episode or that um that plot line. We didn't talk too much about Archer and to Paul, um, in the Vulcan storyline. Did you like Archer in this episode? Yeah, I did. I thought he, um, I, 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 I liked the stuff where he was um, mad about being lied to mm. by Flocks and T'Pol, and uh, I liked the stuff where he went down to get the information about the disease and was banging on the the window to yeah. talk to the doctor and stuff. <laughs> and I, I thought I thought he played a a a good role in. Um, in that that in advocating for T'Pol in a way that she wasn't going to advocate for herself, but she also, but he also doesn't, he he doesn't step over the line in that respect where yep. he's 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 advocating for her, but he's also making sure that he doesn't go too far and and she can still kind of you know keep things to herself where she wants to. He's in a good <clears throat> middle ground for Archer, I think. He's, yeah. Um, Again, as I mentioned before, I don't really, 
I don't really believe his ending speech where he's like, we haven't had bigotry on earth for a hundred years and you guys are over here judging the Vulcans uh, or whatever. I, I don't really buy that. I continue to think that Bakula can't do those speeches. Like it's just, it doesn't really come. He, he, mm. he lacks the, uh, the gravitas to really sell those moralizing speeches in the way that Patrick yeah. Stewart or Avery Brooks even could. Um, but outside of that, I think that he's, it's a good enterprise placement for Archer. I think um, I continue to like when the show puts him in a position where he is because of his placement in the timeline as a captain, I find his bumping up against tradition or other cultures to be expected from him. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I expect a little bit more pushback than I would from the other captains. And he does a fairly good job here. Um, it's just the, the Vulcan relationship. They've kind of even abandoned Archer and his grudge against the Vulcans. They bring it up in a couple of lines here about, uh, it's been a while since I've been invo- embarrassed by a Vulcan diplomat or whatever he says at the very start when yeah, he's upset. Yeah. But um, that's it. I think Archer's Archer's fine. If the episode depended on his speech at the end, I, I think it would be much worse. But I'm not sure that the episode actually depended on Archer doing the right thing and saying the right thing at the end of it. No, they kind of left that to the uh, the, the doctor, secret. the Vulcan doctor. Yeah, the secret mind melt Vulcan there who get, who kind of stands up and then immediately gets fired or yeah. something like I forget. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah they kind of they kind of leave the heavy stuff about the th- the point of the episode to him, which I think is the right choice because I don't think you would want to have that story and then have uh, Captain Whitebread there moralizing about that stuff. Right. So. The the only downside there is that Vulcan Doctor is fairly insignificant to the plot, except for right, functioning right. in that way, is giving to Paul the cure and or not the cure, but the treatment at least, and then announcing that he at the end is also one of these minority Vulcans that are very uh, shameful to the rest of the Vulcan High Command. You know, <laughs> it's such a strange thing, really, to be. a outcast from society over because it's like it's 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 like being an outcast from society because you can like roll your tongue you know it's not it's not like it's not like they have they are uh born with the the innate desire to have to mind meld with people you know what i mean it's not right. if if the if the comparison they're they're making here is to like being gay it's very much not the same thing. Well, and they. Well, I, I guess I would push back. They do make a little <clears> bit <throat> of the fact that the mind melds seem to be used to share emotions, which the Vulcans frown upon, as a, mm-hmm. the, the majority of their culture frowns upon the emotionality. So it, it's in the way that uh, heterosexual cultures would frown on homosexuality and homosexual sex, they're they're kind of playing at the same here. I think it's just the fact that the the mind melts to this point in the rest of the franchise have never been explicitly about the emotional sharing of something. Right, it's kind of just right. been a quick way to get the information to each other, like to download the map of the universe into my brain so that I can go off and find where the ship is or whatever. Right. That's right. the only weakness, I think, is that they, they Enterprise is having a hard time setting up the mind melts as something that would be uh, controversial to the Vulcans, really. Yeah, that's the thing that's where it loses me a little bit is that the, the mind meld being this, this outcast element, it's a little 
I don't know. It stretches credulity a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I, especially w- it doesn't bother me as much if it's just a story element, but when you're doing it like this, where it, it is supposed to be this analog for a marginalized group of people yeah. who generally do not have a choice about the way that they are. Yeah. That's when I get a little like, eh, okay, I, it kind of works because it's not exactly the same thing, but I get it, but it's not the strongest thread you could tie there. Yeah, and again, it's paired up with the the Vulcans who shouldn't care that much about it. Right. It's, it's, so you're right. double stacked against you, basically. Uh, I don't, I don't know why it popped in my head, but if you, I don't know if you remember the fusion thing, but the fusion flashback scene with the mind meld, there's like that heavy jazz saxophone. She goes to like the oh, jazz. Oh my club. yes! <laughs> oh, how could I forget? So it's all very erogenous. Yeah. with the mind melds. Yeah, heavy. Yeah, heavy I forgot jazz about sex. that. The 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 emotive, <laughs> the emotive Vulcan who illustrates his emotions through sexy jazz that's saxophone. right um, yeah. that's it i guess i don't have too much else to say about stigma um uh, the only other thing that i flagged which was a really interesting choice of the movie that they're showing um they're showing the black cat from 1934 yeah, yeah. which is a uh very for the time racy horror movie mm-hmm. where uh, I can't remember if it's Boris Karloff or Bell Lugosi. One of them plays like essentially a very sadistic S and M Satanist. Okay. So it's it, and at the time it was like it ended up being like heavily edited, or it might have even been banned in certain places for whatever. It was like right before they started getting into the Hayes Code stuff, where it was like if you're gonna kiss in a bedroom, one person has to have both feet on the floor. They can't sure. both be in the bed. Bill like your table rules. Cons- yeah, hyper conservative stuff. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a really interesting choice of movie to, to pick for this story about, um, this, the push, pushing the boundaries of sexuality and stuff like that to pick this movie, which is very much doing that, but like in a very dark way, Mm -hmm. uh, 250 years ago, whenever it was supposed to be. (laughs) It's nice that it's thematically relevant. Yeah, I don't even kind of I don't even know if it, like why why not pick like a Rock Hudson comedy or something mm-hmm. like a, a sex farce from like the 50s or something, you know, like something a little bit more on brand. It's like we're watching of, Basic Instinct tonight. Do yeah, <laughs> well, maybe that might be a little bit too much. But like, why go for the movie that features Bell Lugosi getting flayed alive tied to a crucifix mm-hmm. you know yeah. <laughs> this, it, it, it's a it's a very interesting uh, uh contrast style wise yeah yeah well, let's take a break we'll play another clip from the episode we'll come back we'll read some patron thoughts and give our final thoughts about stigma you're gonna have to help me with this one it's very simple insert the thick end into this opening it'll automatically program the frequency you can pull it out now the stream should be initiated. I think I'm getting the hang of it. Uh, maybe if you explain the next few steps, I could try and get through some of this on my own. By all means. You're a very confident young man, aren't you? Well, I try to be. 
Thank you very much for listening to the show. Thank you very much for listening to the show, and thank you for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskefile. Patreon.com slash thepenskefile is the best way to support us. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff like extra podcasts, extra polls that you can vote on what we talk about. There are the commentary tracks. There's all the behind-the-scenes stuff. You get access to the Discord Ready Room channel. Um, and this month, we're, it looks like it's an hour left or whatever, but it looks like we're going to be doing a DS9 revisit this month mm-hmm. and Inception, the Ooh. sci-fi movie Inception from Christopher cool. Nolan. So if you're interested, you can check that out at patreon.com slash the slash the Penske file. And um, as always, our captain tier supporters get a shout out. Special thank you to Christian Pouch, Tarko Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Miss Emma Custer, Grint Nick Sergi, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Bendler, Nathan Ellick, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cherlock, Grim Santo, Poindexter G, Dwayne Hackett, Paul Roscoe, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajac, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stefan Minton, Nick the Rat, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Curry 6, Jacob123, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Antoine, Curry Martin, William Scheisler, Zane Major, Soylent Blue, and Groppler John. There is more to this name. I can't see it. But Grapple John, thank you anyway. Um, we'll go to our patron thoughts now. If you're a patron, you have thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them on the show. Matt Ross says, Stigma, Mayweather should be forbidden from ever leaving the ship, but at least he's out of play. Trip's reason for staying on board to avoid Flox's wife makes no sense as she is there. OT, he, humans are prudes. Try pineapple. The main story of an AIDS allegory kind of is okay in plotting slow, is plotting slow and which goes on the theory that all uh, that all other Trek never said that mind melds were acceptable. This only shows that Vulcans are just as messed up as everybody else. Enjoyable and as comfortable as a damp room on a long day. Two stiff allegories out of five. Wow. Stiffed them there. Um, <clears throat> I do have a question. So do they ever reconcile the mind meld being something that is not ubiquitous to Vulcan culture? Because it's Enterprise seems, I mean, does, going, I think. Enterprise does. Yes. Okay. Enterprise <clears throat> is going to fix this eventually, I believe. There's a okay. Uh, there's a very important three-parter in the fourth <laughs> season that deals with Vulcan culture. So I think that's where they reconcile all this stuff. I could do be they, wrong. Do they continue the the allegory and have someone go? Well, I mean, some people say that everyone has a little bit of mind meld in them. It's just. <laughs> So it just depends on what you end up doing at college, I think. The, the three-parter is just uh, a Vulcan runs into frame down the stairs of a big courthouse and he just goes, the Supreme Court has decided that we can mind meld. And then everyone celebrates for three episodes. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The Vulcan, sure. Why not? The, the Vulcan justice says uh, it is decided and that's the end of it or mm-hmm. whatever. Kyle Barrett says, stigma. I feel I have a pretty out there reading on this episode, so prepare yourself. It's subtle, very subtle, in fact. But I believe, and bear with me on this, that this episode, and granted, this might be my reading too far into things, is about AIDS. Now, maybe it's only me picking up on this because I'm a genius and the messaging is so incredibly subtle, but if you look very closely, I think it's there. It's interesting they picked the AIDS allegory episode to have the subplot about aliens who have casual sex and multiple partners, but I'm always happy to see some denobulan eccentricity. The social commentary may be blunt, but it's nice to have an episode actually be about something after so many empty scripts lately. It's a decent and well-meaning message episode that maybe could have been a bit bolder. Four out of five. It does does feel a little bit like... uh... I mean, you know, the time of when these things happen in like in real time gets really compressed when you watch it 
so many years later on on streaming, you kind of forget the time period they came out and how much time actually had passed, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But when you do think about it, doing an episode like this in 2003 is like on The Office when Michael Scott wants to donate money to uh, Comic Relief. Right. Yeah. And they're like, Michael, I don't think they've done Comic Relief for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, well, you know, it means well, but. What are you going to do? It's, it's, it's a little out of time at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to. To, to be that on the nose with it, I guess. Sure. Much, much like everything else they do, they are very by the book literal about what they're doing. This is whether it's Marauders where they're just being straightforward Western plot. They're doing a very straightforward, except for the weird thing about the assault, a very straightforward uh, <laughs> allegory about STDs and AIDS and stigma related to them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. We, um, I would say, I would agree. It's a decent and well-meaning message episode that could have, oh, been, definitely, yeah. could have been bolder. Um, I, it's, you know, it's one of those episodes that's maybe conceptually a little bit strange that the trip storyline takes up so much of the episode. It's almost a 50-50 split time-wise between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with something like the, to Paul's AIDS storyline, you almost feel that they would, during production, they would have been a little surprised that so little time was being spent with her. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Neither of us seem to have a huge problem with the assault aspect of it. It's one of those weird wow. episodes where um, that seems like it could be a critical flaw in another episode, maybe a worse episode, and you'd be like, what the hell, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Here, it doesn't seem as strange, although it does I mean, seem I, strange. I don't like it. I don't think it is... Um I don't think it's crippling though for some reason. When it when it feels like it really could yeah. be. I don't know. I it's I think I think when you when you draw out this analogy past the disease into and I guess this is why the mind melt thing I don't think it totally works. You're you're drawing the analogy out past just the disease into this whole subset minority of people who are essentially in this story the carriers of this disease and so now you've got a one of these um stigmatized minorities who is actively assaulting a uh a a woman who is not one of them and giving her this this life-threatening disease that's where it's like ugh, i i don't know i i'm not really i feel like you're losing your your uh um the, the goodness of your analogy when you start playing with that stuff because then you're you're bringing in a whole other set of stigma I think yes they because, well it wasn't known that this guy had like the just on a production side it wasn't known that this guy had the disease infusion right so this is it's right it's an invention right. that they they took because they knew that they had this sequence that had happened to it mm-hmm. you, I mean there's there's a Right, and there's there's a difference between the guy giving her the disease, which I suppose you could argue maybe he didn't, he didn't even know he was sick or something like that. Sure, but it, sure. I think the the more the stranger aspect of it is that people a lot of the episode is built around the edge. Just, just tell them that this wasn't your fault, and they'll be they'll be okay right, with you. Right, right. And I suppose that highlights the hypocrisy of the Vulcans a little bit. I I just think it's a strange um. 
It seems like it's a strange out, only because I think DePaul's argument for why she's doing it is fairly weak to protect the minority mm. group because I feel she could say that and protect them at the same time. Like just saying, well, that group is obviously crazy and they attacked me. She could just be like, well, it wasn't my fault and I don't think you should really punish them for having this disease because I have it and look at me like you judging me shows the error of judging them in some ways. Right. So right. It, it's just kind of, it's kind of a forced plot device. Yeah. I think that's why she keeps, keeps trying to sidestep the assault thing is because so the show doesn't really have to rectify or right. reconcile with yeah. that element. Yeah. Cause that is, it does, it is kind of a, a big red flag when it comes to the, uh, the analogy they're trying to, they're trying to paint here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Next comment is, I, I do want to say, though, we didn't actually talk about um, Jolene Blaylock at all. I thought she was really good in this episode. She's good. She's she's really got T'Pol down to a science, and I thought you got a lot of very subtle internal emotion out of her um, in the scenes where she is dealing with the stuff and she's trying to talk to them, but you can tell she's like kind of freaking out on the inside. I thought she was very good. She does a, a Vulcan being frustrated pretty well. Which is, yeah. um, I think the appropriate way to do it. I, I, I just, I always, I think she's got done a good job and moved into the Spock and uh, Sarek portrayal of this, where it's like it's clear there's something there that's going on, but they're just good at not showing that something is mm. there going on. Um, she does a good job at it. I, I actually thought that all the Vulcans in this episode were fairly good Vulcans. Uh, yeah. being being played and they're none of the none of the robot vulcan actors are just like hello i'm a vulcan let's uh, we'll, right. we'll go yeah. like um i like that's why i like them being snarky uh and when the guy the doctor says to archer have a good night or something there's a there's a sarcasm there that i think is appropriate for vulcans and i thought that he played it fairly well they can still be emotionless and be uh petty i think and that's a good yeah. combination there's there's one thing she does that annoys me a little bit and I feel like this has to be a note probably from Rick Berman based on what I'm about to say. Her arms are very stiff when she moves yep. and her shoulders are always way back. She, she, her which, body you know, reminds me of gray alien, the gray alien physique. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the alien. Do you ever see the movie, Paul, the, the, uh, you know, the with the gray is the lead, Pegg. right? In, in that one. Yeah. And they've got the, the, the cover for the science fiction novel that he's drawn. And it's like this, sexy alien with three boobs and they're like three boobs nice like that's like i imagine to paul's like gray alien with hips and boobs yeah, nice yeah. but it's like she's she her shoulders are always very back and her arms are always very stiff so there's yep. like a shot in this where they when she's walking through the uh mean streets of vulcan or whatever the hell they were um and the camera's behind her it really accentuates how stiff her arms are when she yep. moves and it's just a really I don't know if it's a choice or if it was a note to, you know but um She's been doing it forever. I, I, she has, yeah. yeah. It's it's always been the way that she stands and when she sits, she sits very intentionally too, which is almost like a sort of meditative pose where she rests her arms on the the armrests of the chair, sort of like her yes, palms yeah. pointing pointing up. Um, I have to imagine I have to imagine it must just be a choice yeah. where it's like she's trying to just keep herself composed and and you know alert and rick had that playing a vulcan and rick rick had the crotch of her cat suit tightened up a little bit to just really <laughs> keep things keep things in place 
Point Extra G says, Stigma. I'm trying to rewind my brain back to 2003 and think about general thoughts about AIDS and HIV at the time. Was the stigma still attached to it this heavily at that point? This seems like the episode could have been much more impactful a decade It seems like this episode would have been much more impactful a decade previous. My uncle died in 2000 from HIV complications, and I recall Mm. our very conservative community and church being supportive, but maybe we weren't typical in that regard. But I suppose it's still a good thing to talk about, even if it is a bit late to the game, and even if it doesn't make for the best episode. It's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's never a bad time to talk about not stigmaing people, stigmatizing people based on diseases they might have that's kind of an evergreen topic i would suppose yeah well and and obviously he have if he had someone get sick uh with it at the same time doesn't really remember Mm. i feel it's um it's probably a strength to the point of it was probably past its peak at that time sure sure. yeah it is it's a it's a strange timing for it. it it would be um it would be like discovery doing a 9 11 episode at this point you know it's like right yeah, it's kind of a weird timing to do. Like, I, I, I feel like all the points have been made in some ways, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, and not even like, not even like, nine eleven influenced, but like a straight nine eleven episode. Right, it's, it's <laughs> they they call it something like they call it like six thirteen. It's like you know, it's it's a very it's obvious what they're talking about. Discovery Discovery lands on this new planet while they're trying to find out what what happened with the burn, and then like after the Federation fell apart, all these splinter cells came up, and then one of them flew a starship right into our two biggest buildings. It's like okay, we got it, we got it, nailed it, <clears throat> nailed it. Latte Librarian says, Melinda Page Hamilton did a great job as Fizal. She really captured Flox's mannerisms, but in a believable way. I find the idea that humans have moved beyond discrimination at this point to be laughable. HIV allegory aside, at least the Vulcans didn't ask what T'Pol was wearing or if she had asked for it. A very after-school special, <laughs> but four thumbprints yeah. <laughs> out of five for finally having something to say. And two more. Nick the Rat says, Mind meld STDs, alien wife swapping. Ooh-wee. Fees all flocks. What a milf. I'd insert my dilithium into her warp engine. I give this a, a six out of nine. Sorry for Wes for the writing scale. She is Fizal. I guess I should have remembered her name too. Fizal flocks, which is it's just a good alien name. Um, Captain Brazen says, Stigma. T'Pol's life is at stake from her mind meld assault. Is another poem. She defends a minority by not saying it was her fault. Trip declines to go bang. Doctor Flox's boothang, and yet it's Holland's allegory by default. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for the poetry. He gives it a low four. Enterprise finally having something to say, while well, including shifty, shifty minority Vulcans meeting in darkened alleyways out of five. Um, a lot of fours on this one. I, uh, I'll ask you what you're going to give it. I. This has been the hardest episode for me to rate out of Enterprise mm. so far, I think. Uh, this has been harder than those ones where like, is this a two or is this a three? I, I genuinely am unsure how I feel about this one. Why don't you go first? Scale one to five. Um, I think I'm going to go with a four because I think this was one of the, like you're saying, it's very tight and it's very, it's very breezy and it's, it all works really well. And it kind of, it's the one sort of backhanded compliment we've been giving the show since day one is that the shows never feel like they don't really work. They yep. always, technically, they look good. They Everything flows fairly well. It's just they're kind of middling stories. I think this is one where they got it with the stories, both stories, A and B, and that tight 
well-oiled machine of the production works in its favor where every, this is not a hard one to watch i don't think yeah, yeah. It, it goes through pretty well the heavy stuff is balanced really well with the light stuff they try to make a point whether or not they hit the mark is up for debate 25 years later yep um and uh yeah i think this is i think this is at least as good as any mid-range episode like this from from tng like anytime they've tried to do an episode where they make a point and it, they kind of they kind of get there they kind of don't maybe yep. what the point that they make doesn't really stand up to looking at it this far off but as far as the episode goes pretty solid i would say this is this is definitely one of those i we did i forgot to mention my favorite part <clears throat> when trip goes to work out and reed is there and reed's like oh you didn't hit that yet i would have been all over that all over it it's like mm, we think he does protest too much there reed reed puts up quite a fight uh, <laughs> reed continues to be the worst um, character, I think. Even Mayweather is just kind of a joke at this point, but I don't expect anything of him. Reed sort of actively sab- sabotages himself. I think the other the other way you could have gone with this is that Reed sees what's going on. I mean, this it would have to be the whole entire story for the episode, though, where Reed sees what's going on and sees that Trip is not into it. So Reed tries to start hitting on her, but keeps getting na- you know knocked right. back because she's into Trip. That would have been fun. And then ultimately, she ends up with Mayweather because she's smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's what everyone it's what everyone deserves i'm um my they even have him pick his shirt up so yeah, you can look at his abs and go yeah this Flo- fox is stroking his, his washboard abs and just going what yeah. happened to you <laughs> it's such a it, it's almost like the actor uh anthony montgomery i think I felt like his scene is almost like he got there and was like, guys, you got to give me something more than this. And they're like, yeah. all right, talk about just kind of ad lib what game you were playing. And he's like, well, there's uh, there's they're like action. He's like, well, there's melons. Uh, there's like dogs chasing me. And I, I threw the melon and it kicked me in the, in the ribs. And that's like that. You yeah. nailed it, Anthony. That's true. Uh, yeah, they had a big boxer. Box of melons, and I, I was in the middle. It was like he's recounting a dream or something. It was like there was a big box of melons, and I was standing in the middle of the melons, and then these dogs just started eating the melons. Yeah, and then I think it was about how I hate my father. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a strange, weird scene. Um, I think the, arg- the the argument against this being a four is that if it was a TNG episode, would I be? Would I? recommend it like i i think that i think that it's a it's a good example of enterprise uh maybe it's just our our, my rating being skewed by the fact that this is like a very solid episode of enterprise where it's Mm -hmm. it's totally functional but it actually came together in production at the same time so it's missing uh, or it's got the thing that was missing in all the previous episodes but i don't know if it bumps it up to a a good recommended episode for me um it's really hard i do i'll give it a four i think it's a week four maybe and i think it's worth remembering for the season that it was good i'll do that i I guess i'll give it credit um we'll take it from there i'll give it a four i just i Mm. i was really I, i really couldn't decide whether or not this is just a three whether or not this is a competent episode of Star Trek and that's like perfectly middle of the, uh, the road 
or if it actually was better than that. And surprisingly, maybe the Flux, uh, Mrs. Flux storyline is actually the stronger storyline to me. And mm, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that, uh, would be what people would remember. I know a lot of people have talked about the HIV storyline, but the HIV storyline, if that was the focus of the episode, I think would have felt like a every other episode of Enterprise that's middling to this point to sure. me. Sure, yeah. So Yeah, I think what kind of puts it over for me is that this is one where if I was going to go back and watch an episode of Enterprise, this is probably one I would pick to watch. Yeah, yeah. Because I do think it's it's breezy and it's fun and, you know, it's got a little bit of a point to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a four. We should stick it out. It should stick out in our ratings. And uh, Lord knows the season average is going to need a four to bump it up a little bit. Um, That's it. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about the episode. It was Stigma. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. We both give it a four. I should write that down right now. And uh, that's it. We're going to be back with the next episode, which is sudden death or something ceasefire ceasefire is the next episode discovery continues as always we'll be moving on to episode five of discovery on friday or saturday whenever that episode comes out clay do you have anything you want to say uh first i want to mention that boris karloff and bella lugosi and the black cat play characters named jalmar polzig and dr vitest vertigast <laughs> if you're looking for some great ridiculous old-timey uh monster movie names but um we have a new Rotten Horror Picture Show coming out this week. We're going to be covering Wreck, the Spanish zombie movie, which uh, is an interesting interesting look this many years later, especially given the current uh, pandemic we're in. Um, I, think, I think that had a lot to do with whether or not I like that movie, so you should check that out. And then next week we'll be back with Badass. We missed the past week uh, due to my schedule, but um, we'll be back with, I don't know, something good. I forget what the episodes are. Into the towards the end of badass, you're running out of yeah. Only a few, episodes. only a few left before we're done with the season. Yeah, yep. And then that's it. Because you did Mask of the Phantasm already. Mm-hmm. Is there another animated yep. movie? Yeah, there's actually a. It's a Mr. Freeze animated movie. It's oh. it's called Sub Zero, and it's actually a good bridge because season four of the show is when they change all the art style and designs up, mm-hmm. and. Sub Zero is kind of like the bridge between those, where it's it's the last thing they really do in the old style, but it's got a lot of new um, animation stuff. There's some computer work that they didn't have in some of the previous things, and so it's I think it's a good good bridge to the to the final season. Cool. You can go to thepenskefile.com to get those shows. You can also search for them on any podcast app, and you can go to YouTube if you're so inclined to watch them on YouTube. Patreon.com/slash/thepenskefile. Best way to support the show. And a reminder that the upcoming stuff for patrons this month is a DS9 revisit and Inception, the movie by Christopher Nolan, which I haven't seen in a while. And we're still, we're still trying to hit that 800 goal so Amanda and I can start doing uh, Friday the 13th. Yep. But, uh, you know, we might... We we might not we we might start doing it anyway just for the hell of it. So if you're a patron, I would get just I would just record them because it will get there eventually. Sure, um, and then you yeah. will have them, and you won't need to <laughs> relax. You won't need to. We'll have a a nice document for three years from now. Don't get hit, don't get too like political or anything. Be it would be like talking about Teddy Roosevelt or something yeah. in the future. Well, I, I when uh, um when we started Badass, it took a, the first season. If I don't, 
if you listened, you might know this. If you might have forgot, but if you haven't listened to, you know, this interesting backstory, Sean and I we dropped the entire first season at once, yep. like a Netflix show, just to try it out and see how it would go. But the downside to that was there was no date to drop it, so it took us forever to record it. So it ended up taking us a, almost two years to record the first <laughs> season. So we, our first episode was actually before the 2016 election. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't come out till like 2017. <laughs> it's something to so be I conscious think, of, yeah, to to yeah. know what you're talking about when you were uh you have a a date in the future I, to be released. I definitely I definitely did go back and cut a bunch of stuff out cuz I was like this is irrelevant at this point <laughs> as far as like uh, where we are in the world and and the timeline. Yep. So I think we could do without that stuff. It's good. It's good. Check them all out. Penskefile.com for those podcasts. You can find them on the podcast apps. And as always, Star Trek will continue and keep going on. We're done with this one. Ceasefire is the next episode. We'll see you with the next Discovery episode, too. See you later. Mm-hmm.